Bears, I Cannot Stop Drafting. And today, it's a huge guest, frequently mentioned in the comments, but I would have asked him anyways. It's Mason Dodd. It's Fantasy Flock. Buddy, how you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, much better now that I get to come on. Probably the best YouTube channel that is in the fantasy football <laughs> That's a lie. That's a lie. football. You say that for everyone. And uh, surely, though, everyone who watches our channel watches your channel. Already knows that you have the world record for most consecutive days drafting. Something like 170, maybe even more than that. But more importantly, you took down a couple underdog tournaments last year. And more impressively... You had Josh Jacobs as your highest drafted player last year. So I can't wait for this list. This is going to be a good top five. I have a feeling. Yeah, we may even have Josh Jacobs making a reappearance here on this <laughs> list. But I, I will say the two tournaments I won on underdog last year and the 16th place best ball mania team I got, none none of those teams had Jacobs as my most drafted guy. Interesting. Uh, not a single one. I, in a way, think we have you know, aided all of that this year with a bunch of regular season prizes in comparison to last year. So like having Josh Jacobs will be much more beneficial and, you know, maybe even try to find the new one or just the same one this year. I mean, last year I was sweating out, even though I had no shot to get first for the regular season prize, I still like four-ish teams in the top um, 500 or whatever the hell it was for Best Ball Mania. So I remember like checking the leaderboard every single time just so I could flex on people. You know what I mean? That's what will be even better this year. And before we get going with this, with Mason's top five list, Hit that subscribe button. Like 69% of you that have been watching this channel this month are not subscribed. So uh, change that. If you watch, you subscribe. Those are the rules. Okay, here we go. Mason, who's the first name? We're going to go Jalen Hurts here. I mean, with Jalen Hurts, I thought I was going to draft none of them this offseason. I mean, if y'all remember back when drafts first opened, the elite level quarterbacks were going at the one-two turn. The opportunity cost to take one, in my mind, was a little outrageous. But at this point, with Jalen Hurts falling into round three, now the opportunity cost is completely different, right? I mean, you're not asking someone to go out there and draft Jalen Hurts ahead of CeeDee Lamb, A.J. Brown, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Garrett Wilson, Nick Chubb. No, instead, you're asking them, okay, would you rather have Jalen Hurts or T. Higgins? Would you rather have Jalen Hurts or D.K. Metcalf? And all of a sudden, the equation is just 100% flipped. Jalen Hurts is actually my quarterback one overall in fantasy this year. Yep. And I don't think it should be too surprising, even though Mahomes has the higher ADP. Because if you're looking at Jalen Hurts, he was the quarterback one last season from a points per game perspective. And if we go through and look at everything that we've had since the year 2000 from a fantasy perspective, there have only been four quarterback seasons to finish as high as Jalen Hurts last year. That was Lamar Jackson, 2019, Peyton Manning, 2013, Rodgers in 2011, Patrick Mahomes, 2018. So you're looking at an all-time great quarterback season from Jalen Hurts. I mean, if you go ahead and look at pretty much any resource you can find when it comes to offensive line rankings, because I'd be lying to you if I said I could evaluate offensive lines on my own. Every single person I can find has the Philadelphia Eagles have with the best offensive line in the NFL. They have A.J. Brown still in his prime. Devonta Smith stepping into his prime. Dallas Goddard still in his prime. They add in a receiving down back with DeAndre Swift as well. So I really see no reason why Jalen Hurts can't repeat what he did last season. And the opportunity cost to get him next to someone like T. Higgins is in my mind, just too good of a value. We've gotten so good at predicting quarterbacks in fantasy because a lot of the elite ones are now rushing and there's not a better player to kind of tout that as the quarterback one than Jalen Hurts. In my fantasy points over replacement metric from last year, he was 11th overall. We don't have to draft them there anymore. And we talked about the fourth quarter stats out there. He had none of them because the team was blowing things out. Harder schedule this year, I think, is actually a good thing for Jalen Hurts. He's also we kind of forget this with Jalen Hurts. He's still young and improving. Like there was a lot of room to grow 
coming from his college shape to where he is now putting on all the work. I think he's a lip. He's like, to me, the safest draft pick that you can, if he's still there in the third round, like you said, the perfect example, T Higgins, Chris Olave, we hope that they can have a season like Jalen Hurts just had. Why don't we just draft the guy that just did it? Yeah. With 13 rushing scores last year, Jalen Hurts was the first quarterback in league history to have back-to-back seasons with double digit rushing touchdowns, 10th in passing points, second in rushing points. I mean, I don't know what there is left to say. He's, I think, not to speak for you, Hayden, he's our quarterback one. Sounds like he's your quarterback he one, is. Mason, at the top of that conversation. We'll all do rankings, you know, in the final week heading into week one. I'm sure we'll be the exact same way with that. I, I just see this not working in two potential ways. One, it would have to be either injury or two, he majorly regresses. And then, Mason, I don't think either of those are, are possible because, as I keep putting it, like the fourth quarter lever has never been pulled this past season. And just for them to put the pedal to the floor for 60 full minutes will give us, you know, 15 extra minutes of action to let Jalen Hurts plus A.J. Brown plus Devontae Smith work that they didn't have to last season. Well, what's so funny is if you talk about him regressing in a big time way, look at where his wide receivers are getting drafted, right? You have a, you have a round one wide receiver. You have a round two wide receiver with AJ Brown, Devonta Smith. So if he regresses, given his rushing upside, is he going to be the guy that doesn't work out in fantasy drafts? Or if this passing offense goes down, it's going to be AJ Brown. It's going to be Devonta Smith. Mm -hmm. That doesn't work out. You know what I mean? So even if the Philadelphia Eagles offense takes a step back overall, I don't necessarily see how Hertz finishes much lower than a third round pick in terms of value and fantasy. Yep. And you're able to get him as a quarterback too in drafts right now. Okay. Who's the next name for you, Mason? I'm going to go ahead and just slide down boards just a little bit. And this is going to be a very underdog dependent pick. Josh Jacobs right now, we're, we're running it back. All right. I mean, didn't think we were going to be doing it earlier on in the offseason, but right now you are getting Josh Jacobs there in the middle to the end of the third round. And obviously there's so much uncertainty around this situation. And by no means am I some NFL agent expert. Can I look into these situations and know a ton? Of course, I'm just a random idiot on the internet, right? But what I do know is these running backs don't have a lot of leverage, right? None. We saw it with Saquon Barkley. I mean, we we're kind of seeing it play out with Jonathan Taylor. If, anybody were to have leverage it would be jacobs actually being on the franchise tag for a team that probably isn't beating this next year also with jacobs being a little bit younger than saquon barkley but regardless in these underdog tournaments when we're supposed to be chasing just the highest ceiling possible i mean best ball mania 25 dollar buy-in three million dollar first place prize the bubby three five dollar buy-in hundred thousand dollar first place prize two hundred thousand dollar first place prize god knows what it is but who has a higher ceiling than jacobs here in the middle to the end of round three I mean, the guys going around, Metcalf was the wide receiver 26 last year. Um, it was Stevenson. They just brought in Zeke for $6 million. Mari Cooper is wide receiver 18. You have Jameer Gibbs, a rookie, splitting time with David Montgomery. Not saying that these guys are bad draft picks. Debo Samuel, wide receiver 28 last year. Of course, they can get better than where they were last season. But, I mean, if we are going to go through and look at the range of outcomes, I have a hard time imagining that any of them have the same potential in their range of outcomes of what we saw with Josh Jacobs last season and in these tournament drafts where I'm trying to turn $5 into 200,000. Uh, let's just keep it simple. Let's take the player with the highest upside. Fifth overall in my famous points over replacement last year and drafted 31st overall. So this is to me, is just like, don't overthink this. Josh and I have talked about the CBA yep. and how hard it is to hold out. They'll find you. You have to accrue a season. It's too hard. I think Jacob's going to show up week one. He doesn't need this training camp as well. There's some systemic reasons why the Raiders could fall apart this year, but at the same time, Josh Jacobs is catching a bunch of passes. We know he's going to be the goal line back, and I think that he's just going to be a featured part 
of this offense. We've seen this coach want to hammer the ball up the middle, and Josh Jacobs is extremely good at that. Yeah, there are many cliffs in running back drafting. Um, there is one from the running back eight to the running back nine. I know this is only, what, six picks? But, you know, there is a pretty significant jump from Jonathan Taylor down to Josh Jacobs, who right next to him is going Ramondre Stevenson right now. Uh, we had Rich Rebar on the show a couple weeks ago, Mason, and I always go to him for these fascinating stats. And I hadn't seen this one for Josh Jacobs yet. He only ran 21 pass routes on third down all of last season and just one reception on third down. So... Again, I highly doubt, you know, we get the running back five and, you know, fantasy points and Hayden's model, but there are still like avenues where we could fill in some of the gaps that we got last year. And you're having to, you know, get that all the way down as the running back nine overall. I, I guess my big question top down with the Las Vegas Raiders is like how much of this offense is going to change. I know like Josh McDaniels has a history with Jimmy Garoppolo, but at least from a passing game standpoint, they were so downfield last year. Like Devontae Adams had an uncharacteristic vertical role. We know that Darren Waller led the NFL among all tight ends in dot. And I don't know if like that change in the passing game alters things for the running game too, but I Would think there are going to be... I, no, I, it down underneath I, more? I think so. And, and that's kind of my point where there things are going to happen differently. I think for the Raiders this year than they did last year, which is I think different than the conversation we just had for Jalen hurts. And I'm just having a tough time kind of wrapping my brain around that. Cause we haven't seen it yet. If that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, they were six and 11 last year. How much worse is it going to get? You know right. what I mean? <laughs> yeah. That's the, that's the thing that people keep forgetting. It's like that. The Raiders were so good last year. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He, he did all that on a losing team on a bad team, which is incredibly impressive when we talk so often about guys who score the most fancy points are on teams that put up more points than their opponents. Okay, Mason, who's next? The next guy, I actually wasn't expecting to draft a lot this offseason because Christian Watson initially looked like Chase Claypool for me. I'm going to be honest with you. I was a little bit worried in that you look at Christian Watson, he had a touchdown rate of 10.61% last year, which is not sustainable, right? I mean, we see it over and over and over again. These wide receivers that have this insane touchdown rate, you can see the same thing at tight end. It's going to come back down to earth, and Christian Watson will not score as many touchdowns at this rate as he did last year. But he was elite down the stretch, right? I mean, Christian Watson, the only wide receivers that were better weeks 10 through 18 were Jefferson, CeeDee Lamb, Devontae Adams, Keenan Allen, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Devontae Smith, Chris Godwin. And the big difference that I see between Christian Watson and Chase Claypool, besides the fact that I really like Christian Watson as a prospect, is if you look at his yards per route run metric, this is actually something that showed that Christian Watson was a hyper-efficient wide receiver. Oh, yeah. I mean, the only wide receivers that had more yards per route run last year than Watson were Tyreek, Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown, Jalen Waddle, and Cooper Cup. So I was initially worried about the touchdown rate coming back down to earth, which 100% it will, right? Yes. I, I'm not going to sit here and say that's not happening, but I don't think we have to be worried about him turning into Chase Claypool, given what we're seeing with his yards per route run, going back to where you're seeing him get drafted next to guys like DJ Moore, who's been a wide receiver three for three straight seasons now. Of course, by no means am I saying he's guaranteed to be that this next year, but just putting it into context, Mike Williams, Drake London, Terry McLaurin. I mean, Terry McLaurin's going into age 28 seasons, never been a top 20 wide receiver from a points per game perspective. If we are going through and trying to take shots on guys that have access to winning us best ball mania, winning us $3 million in a tournament, I'm going after someone that has, I mean, an unknown ceiling, even if there's a little bit of risk there, given the touchdown rate and Jordan Love. People always ask us, Josh, about like, what's the difference between my redraft league and best ball 
And I think this would be a player where I would be like, I'm not sure if I want to take the dip in my redraft league because I think there is some like lower tier outcomes, whether it's his fault or the the quarterback play. But in best ball down the stretch, man, he he was elite. So I have him like what Mason said is in that tier where I think there's a drop off in the ceiling outcomes for wide receivers, Drake London, Terry McLaurin, DJ Moore, where it's like systemically there's just an issue. I think that I would rather have Christian Watson's upside in best ball, but in redraft, I'm kind of uh, taking a softer approach. And I think part of that, and sure, offense has changed because Aaron Rodgers is gone, but part of that maybe best ball versus redraft was just the lack of volume that he yes. had. Um, I believe, I've, yeah. In over eight games, Watson still had four or fewer receptions in six of them. Um, now, not to make this, again, more of a top-down look at the offense, but... Aaron Rodgers almost evolved or devolved into a quarterback last year that was quick throws to not get hit or shot plays down the field. And we know what those shot plays down the field, like we saw with some, all those highlights, it still has that beautiful bucket throw, and especially when you have a, a player like Christian Watson. I think that's going away this year for the Green Bay Packers. And I don't want to read too much in the preseason week one, but we have seen some Jordan Love starts in the past too, where it's a bunch of heavy misdirection, heavy play action, and on top of that are still downfield routes, so a bunch of downfield over routes that you can get shot plays. But if we go back, Mason, to North Dakota State and look at Christian Watson's profile, where he thrived was yards after the catch or yep. putting the ball in his hands at the line of scrimmage and allowing him to win after that. And I don't think we saw enough of that last season. So to use this phrase again, I think that there's this trait lever that we haven't pulled yet for Christian Watson, that this team might get the ball in his hands closer to the line of scrimmage and not just rely on deep shots with low volume. And I still think he can win in that way too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you look at his market share numbers from college too, I mean, he was like 45% of his team's receiving guards on a per game basis. I mean, just crazy numbers if you're looking at the market share. And I'm very biased. Christian Watson won me the $100,000 big dog tournament oh, and yeah. 20000 Bulldog 2 tournament last year. So maybe you don't want to listen to me on this. No. <laughs> but Josh, that is a great point. Any of the misdirection bootleg stuff yeah. – it's harder for a corner to keep running behind a wide receiver for that long. And that is really going to be outweighed by Christian Watson for how fast he is. Yeah. And look, we're not getting these sticks. We're not getting these curls. We're not getting that type of stuff. We're getting him already on the move. And if the ball yeah. is on target, then Christian Watson seeing that athleticism. I mean, it's, it's going to be really, really uh, incredible. I think. Okay. Uh, three down, by the way, we have such a winner here. If you want to enter these tournaments and take down Mason on Underdog Fantasy, click the link in the description down below. Mason himself is matching your first deposit up to $100. Just use promo code the show or flock. Either one. Have you ever been on vacation after a long day of activities or sightseeing? You have a night in room service, bathrobes, and television or movies. And when you're in a foreign country, you scroll Netflix or Hulu or whatever streaming service you have. And you realize that the library of content there is so much larger than it is in the United States. You start a new show, a new series. And when you get back home, you realize you now have to find that on a different service or pay for it in a different way. That is where Surfshark comes in. It's a VPN service that lets you virtually travel the world with a tap of a finger. You can go to Spain, Canada, Costa Rica to watch the content available in those countries. So you can try Surfshark today, totally risk-free with a 30-day money-back guarantee. 
and get Surfshark VPN at surfshark.deals/underdog or enter promo code underdog for 3 extra months for free. You heard me right, 3 extra months for free. That is surfshark.deals/underdog. All right, fourth name Mason, who is it? All right, I, I already know y'all are going to hate this. I at least <laughs> a bunch of people in the comment section are going to hate it and it doesn't feel good. We're going Kyle Pitts. All right, uh, hear me out on this one. We are all in agreement Kyle Pitts was the best tight end prospect of all time. Can we can we admit that? If you look at his production, you look at his athleticism, I mean, hell, he was drafted higher than any other tight end in NFL history. Then at 21 years old, if we go back to the year 2000, the only players to average more receiving yards on a per-game basis than Kyle Pitts were Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Juju Smith-Schuster, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Amari Cooper. End of list. Like no, no other tight ends come close. So we get confirmation that not only was Kyle Pitts the best tight end prospect of all time, he was then followed up with arguably the best rookie tight end season of all time from a fantasy football perspective. You can give me Mike Dicka, but it was 50 years ago. I mean, if I wasn't born, then I'm not counting it. Now, the next you, thing you, is, you weren't born I, like three times over by that time. Yeah, do you know I, Antonio? I, my Gates? grandparents weren't born. <laughs> now, the next thing is, I understand last year, uh, unbelievably bad, obviously. If you look at his market share numbers, similar to Drake London, I mean, the only two guys that were targeted in this offense were Kyle Pitts and Drake London. The market share yeah. numbers didn't fall off from his targets. The issue 100% solely comes down to the offense. At least in my mind, you can sit here and you can say, oh, Kyle Pitts didn't look as good on the football field last year. And maybe you can make an argument based on scheme. The only passing offense over the past 10 years that averaged fewer passing yards per game than the Atlanta Falcons this past year were the Chicago Bears this past season. Bears being as bad as they were overshadowed the fact that the Atlanta Falcons just had the worst season in pretty much the past decade from a passing yardage perspective. By no means are they going to be good this next year. I'm not trying to say that in the slightest, but I do think that they regress back to the mean just a bit. They're still probably a bottom five passing offense, but they have a ton of room for improvement while still being inside the bottom five. And I mean, if you're looking at where he's getting drafted next to, The wide receivers that are being drafted after Kyle Pitts on underdog right now are Quentin Johnston. I mean, someone that's possibly the wide receiver four in his own depth chart. Zay Flowers, Brandon Cooks, Elijah Moore, Traylon Burks. Mm -hmm. If you go over and look at the pick'em lines on underdog, Kyle Pitts has a higher pick'em line for his receiving yards than any other one of these wide receivers. Literally any of them. So I think at this point of the draft, if you were round seven or beyond, Kyle Pitts' projection has him outscoring the wide receivers in this range. Pretty compelling case. We don't like going against the pick'em. You know, Josh and I always talk about that. Yeah, with with Kyle Pitts, him getting out there and practicing is giving me a little bit more confidence because that was the thing that's in the back of my mind. Everything you just said is like completely agree. Love Kyle Pitts, the player. Like I even thought last year his tape was pretty damn good. Um, But it's just like the the knee issue. Like why is this still lingering? What's what's up with that? Hopefully he practices more and more. I'll get more and more confidence. I am holding the line. He's my tight end five. I'm not putting Waller above him. I'm not putting Dallas Goddard above him. I think the upside here is legitimate. The offense will still suck. I don't think that Ritter can throw the ball. I don't think that Heineke can throw the ball. Um, But in the Falcons uh, beat reporter for the athletic, he just did his projections. He had Kyle Pitts with 90 targets. That would have made him the tight end six in targets uh, this next year. So we'll see. I I think that's a a fair ranking tight end five, but I think putting in the perspective of the other wide receivers with question marks, and if you can get the tight, tight end to pop off, that's more valuable. Uh, Mason, I feel like we're friendly enough where I can push back on you Um, because you spoke about that rookie season. Uh, 
even with a thousand yards, he still finishes the tight end 12 in points per game. And he only eclipsed 10 fancy points in three of those contests because it all comes down to touchdowns. Like I'm totally with you that the receiving yards and that aspect was awesome and historic, but man, the guy just hasn't scored touchdowns last year. And it's weird because he has the traits and he has the skills and he has the size to be able to do it. So maybe that changes, as you said, from Marcus Mariota to, to Desmond Ritter. But I also get worried that in 27 career games, he has 19 red zone targets. When you look at David Njoku had 20 alone by himself just last year, Drake London in the same offense had 16 just last year. And you throw in, you know, Bijan Robinson into this offense, Drake London, who I think really can be an alpha wide receiver and with that skill set. And it just makes me nervous how many touchdowns he can score, despite that almost being a non-sticky, almost fluky stat for tight ends at times. Yeah, that was going to be what I said. I, I just never really look at touchdowns because like I was saying right. with Christian Watson, I mean, it's such a small sample thing that the variance there is going to be crazy season to season. So, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that, I mean, his touchdown rate is going to all of a sudden jump to be above league average. But I don't know if we have a large enough sample size on that in yeah. particular, especially for a 21-year-old player that's younger than Zay Flowers. Kyle Pitts is younger than Zay Flowers to go out here and say that he's not going to score touchdowns. Wow. That, that's mm -hmm. pretty amazing. And I will add, that there was portions of this offseason when he was going ahead of Darren Waller, where he was going ahead of, you know, Jordan Addison and George Pickens and Jahan Dotson. But now that he's going after this grouping of players that I, I love, like it makes it much more palatable. It makes yeah, it much more sure. palatable. For me. And I mean, if you look back on the 2023, 2024 season and you miss the season that Cal Pitts broke out, you're going to hate yourself. You're mm -hmm. simply going to hate yourself. So. Yeah. All right. Final name, Mason. Who is it? Last guy, we had to go a little bit deeper. I know we've just been giving boring basic names up until this point. Just still probably boring basic name. We're going to go Elijah Mitchell. I mean, it doesn't really matter if you're in a regular redraft format, right? Because if you're in a regular redraft format, at least Elijah Mitchell still gives you the premium handcuff appeal, whereas rookie season, he averaged 100 total yards per game. But specifically in underdog best ball drafts, this is exactly what we're looking for. You not only have that premium handcuff appeal, but at the same time, you will have access to some usable weeks and I don't want to sit here and say, okay, well, yeah, the Elijah Mitchell CMC splits are 100% going to carry over to this next year because at the end of last season, a lot of that run Elijah Mitchell got were in games that were blown out where the 49ers really didn't have to use Christian McCaffrey. So I don't think we can carry that one, that over one for one, but we can say that there'll probably be more instances like that. And I don't know if underdog still has the pick them lines up, but I mean, if you looked at the pick them lines that underdog had about two to three weeks back, I mean, the rushing volume that they had for Elijah Mitchell versus Christian McCaffrey was very comparable. I mean, off the top of my head, I believe they had CMC at like 875 and a half rushing yards, whereas they had Elijah Mitchell over there at believe about 575, 600. So, I mean, even underdog is going out there and projecting that this is going to be a little bit more of a, I don't want to say split backfield, but Elijah Mitchell is going to have a role in a week-to-week -week basis that could randomly impact you in best ball, plus the hidden premium handcuff appeal. Yeah, whenever Elijah Mitchell's gotten more than half of the snaps, he's averaging like almost 20 touches per game. And that's just a function of this offense. I think that he, Elijah Mitchell can play. I will note the 49ers offensive line is a little suspect to me right now, but I don't think that's going to matter just because the Shanahan has these linebackers in absolute hell. So to me, he's going to be a contingent play. Yeah. Uh, I don't believe that the late Christian McCaffrey stuff is exactly how it's going to look. I think Christian McCaffrey's going to get a ton of run here, but in the event that McCaffrey goes down, Elijah Mitchell, I think we would be hard to rank him like outside, like the top 14, 15 running backs on the week. Yeah. And to put more context to that volume, 
uh, Eli Mitchell did have 60 touches over his four games played fully with Christian McCaffrey. Just 13 of them came in first half. So a lot of it was in those second halves when they were leading. Um, I'm always monitoring running back injuries on the 49ers. He was full go in OTAs, which was great. Then, and I think he still is dealing with an abductor strain. Yeah. That's my only worry. And you know this, Mason, if we're projecting injuries, then like, what are we even doing here? Um, but my only worry is if Eli Mitchell misses time, Kyle Shanahan like instantly is just going to put Jordan Mason in there. And then Jordan Mason is just going to take that job for like the rest of the season I think, <laughs> until he gets hurt. You know, like that's just how Kyle Shanahan has, has rolled in the past. You know, oh, trust me. I, I, my Lance loves seeing it with Purdy. It's a it's a little pain. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if we did a six name, it'd be Trey Lance on here, but uh, I refused. All right, Mason, you're the freaking man. Um, everyone knows Fancy Flock, Flock Fantasy on YouTube. Uh, just incredible content, both live streaming and videos. Anything else you want to plug before you get out of here? Um, that's it. Flock Fantasy on YouTube, flockfantasy.com. And yeah, I'm dra drafting underdog drafts every single night. And hopefully I don't lose too much money. This year. <laughs> yeah, and all of you. Do not let him win again this year. Like, go and draft. Click the link in the description down below. Do not let Mason win in 2023. It's that simple. That's our mm -hmm. mission, right? Yeah, I I'm letting everybody know that I'm going to lose this season. Oh, Last man. year, I was the luckiest man on the planet, but okay. this year is crashing and burning. All right, everyone. We appreciate you for tuning in. Again, hit that subscribe button. Go and check out Mason's stuff. We'll be back with a show tomorrow. Up the Talk to y'all soon.